Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Join me, if you would, in Philippians chapter 3 this evening. Philippians chapter number 3. Before we read this text, I, I want to kind of just lay a, lay a foundation for us and get you to think about, get you to think about something with me. Uh, we often speak about keeping things in perspective, right? You know, you know what that means, right? Just keeping things in perspective. And, and I think, I think you, you, you know this, if you live long enough, that, that takes some work, right? It takes, it takes work to keep things in perspective. It takes work to keep focused, right? It takes some work to try to see things as they really are, and not what they appear to be. Sometimes we speak about perspective and we, we like to define it as, you know, seeing things through God's eyes. And that's not always easy, right? And so um, it takes work, but it's something worth working at. And, uh, and I, think, I think as Christians, we come to understand, help me with this if you would, I think we come to understand the power of things, right? Uh, you know, our, our discussion, right, we, we're talking about having no other gods in our lives. That's a command from the Lord. In fact, it's the first one on the list, you know, the Big Ten. That's the first one on the list, no other gods. And the longer we live, I don't know if I can say it this way, uh, the more mature we become, the deeper in Christ, the more we grow, I, I don't know, however you want to define it. I think we come to understand the power of things. And, and let me say it this way. Listen to this. The divisive power of things. Things are divisive. Things have the power to separate us. You know, and I, I can't get too deep into that because it will distract me. You know what I'm talking about? Say yes if you do. The, the divisive power of things. You say, what things? Things. Your things, my things, our things, whatever you consider a thing right? Maybe your hobby or your work or your thing. Those things have power, divisive power in our lives. And I think you might agree, maybe not, that every once in a while we've been taken captive by these things. Did you ever get, did you ever get taken captive by one of those things? It's okay, we're friends. Nobody's going to judge you. You get taken captive by it, Right? And, and I think this, I think life in general has a consuming, divisive power about it. Life in general is consuming. And if we're not careful, if we don't work to keep things in perspective, it kind of, I don't know, it just kind of overwhelms us, it consumes us. And now, not that we would, if I were to put a, a multiple choice question up on that screen, and if I, were to, if I were to ask you, so tell me, who is your God? 
And right up at the top, I would put the God of the Bible. And underneath of that, I would put the Baptist pastor, the Pope of Rome, you know, Planet Fitness, Walmart. <laughs> Everybody in this room would say, A, the God of the Bible. However, if we followed ourselves around, if we followed ourselves, if we took a careful evaluation of the last 48 hours of our lives, would our answer be accurate? Are you with me? Why? Because life is consuming and it's divisive and it takes work at <laughs> keeping things in perspective. Right? Are you with me? And, and so as we discuss the command, no other gods, I think we see the value of the lesson. I mean, why in the world would, would the Lord have to tell us? I mean, He's redeemed us. He's saved us. He's our all in all. Amen. I mean, why would we have to be commanded to have no other gods? I said this last week, because of God's omniscience, He knew how consuming and how divisive life could be. And I don't want to get too deep with this, but I hope you, I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. And here's, here's the truth. To live for God Today, to live for God and to live a balanced life and to live a somewhat sanctified life, because we should. If you're going to live for God, you've got to live somewhat of a sanctified life. If you're going to live for God. Well, in order to do all of that, we need this instruction. No other gods. We've got to keep it before us. No other gods. Why? Because of the, the, the divisive power of things. And I speak from experience because I have been kidnapped by things. I'm not ashamed to admit it. So when God spoke that command, now think about this, when God spoke that command, of course, He spoke that command to Israel. They were in, they were in formation, Right? You know, Moses is just coming down with the guidelines to life, you know, and, and he's speaking this to Israel. And, and think about it, this was huge to the Israelites, and that's because the people all around them had a multitude of gods. Isn't that right? I mean, to tell you, man, they had a god for everything. They had, they had one God uh, for the ground and for the crops, and so they'd worship and sacrifice to that God so that He would bless their ground and bless their crops. They had another God who they would worship and, and, and sacrifice to who would protect them from their enemies. They had a God for everything. They had another God that they would sacrifice to and worship uh, for, the, for, for good weather. Hello? When you go to the New Testament, you know what you find? The Roman Empire, and they had their own list of gods. Right? I mean, over and over, man, you know. Today, people have their gods, religious gods. You know, whenever I think of Israel, and well, not Israel, but well, Israel and some of the nations around them with all these different gods, I think about the Catholic Church, and I know I'm live streaming right now. But the Catholic Church has certain saints for certain things. 
So if you're having a certain ailment, you pray to a certain saint. If you need traveling mercies, you pray to a certain saint. But the Bible says, and God said from the very beginning, he gives a guideline to humankind because he knew the divisive power of things to have no other gods, right? So that's pretty good instruction, isn't it? And as we move forward several thousand years, that command is still necessary. This is not outdated. Huh? Someone say, well, that's Old Testament, man. You know, it is. But, you know, the Old Testament, New Testament make, make up the Bible, makes up the Scriptures. And even though we're not, you know, bound by that law, that law is a set of guidelines to live by. Correct? And so... I think the Lord to worship at different altars and other gods is still powerful, aren't, 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 right? Watched that video a week ago, you know, and it took us to an arena where thousands, tens of thousands were painting their faces and wearing their uniforms and shouting their chants for their favorite team. So I think the Lord, the Lord to worship at different altars and other gods is still powerful. Amen? Amen? And so in my Bible study this week, I came across this intriguing passage of Scripture. And some texts are just intriguing. And I want, I want, I want to look at it. I want to discuss it with you just for a few minutes. Look at this text, uh, Philippians 3 and verse 17. Paul says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So, Follow me and then mark them who don't. Be careful of those who don't. He says in verse 18, For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. And then he kind of he evaluates these enemies. He says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. For whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Verse 19 is going to be my text verse. And really what caught my attention in verse 19 is that second statement, whose God is their belly whose God is their belly. And so, early on, God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And yet, we have succumbed. Correct? Last week, we took a look how sometimes we make a God out of money. Money becomes our God. Well, I want to take a pause tonight and just kind of look at that one Bible verse. But I want to put it, I want to put it in a larger context. Are you with me? You sure? It's Bible study, right? So I want to put that in a, I want to put verse 19 in a larger context. Uh, so who's your God? Last week we took a look at this verse, Matthew 6, 24. Look at the screen. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one, love the other, or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. That last statement is what matters. You cannot serve God and mammon. That word mammon, material, money. In other words, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says this, you cannot worship God and money. 
You just can't do it. There are some who try, they live for money, pursue money, they, they sacrifice for money, but you can't, you can't worship God and money, right? Well, another verse, putting this in context, Colossians 3 verse 5 says this, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry idolatry. And so, uh, Paul takes it a step further, and he says this, and pay attention right here. He says, coveting something is idolatry. And if you do a simple study on, on being covetous or coveting, it's more than just desiring something. When you covet something, what you're saying is, pay attention right here, what you're saying is, I can't live without it. Huh? I guarantee you, when I, by the time I get home tonight, whatever time I might be, I got a meeting or two after service, in my refrigerator, unless my granddaughter's ate it all, I have some chocolate water ice from a place up the road here, which I absolutely love and adore, and I'm looking forward to going home and eating it. I have a desire for it already. However, if it's not there, I'm going to be disappointed, but I'll be able to sleep because I'll eat something else <laughs> instead, right? But when you covet something, what you're saying is, I will not be satisfied without it. You know what? I ought to park here for a little bit because there's some guilty-looking people right now. <laughs> we, we covet stuff. And the Bible says that's idolatry. Thou shalt have no other gods. And then if you look down the list, that list broadens, doesn't it? And when you and I get to the place in our lives where we say, man, you know what? I just can't live without that, and you put in whatever you think it is, you're making a big mistake. Nothing wrong with desiring it. Look here, I walk through a sporting goods store and see the fishing equipment or golfing equipment. I, well, I love to have a new driver. love to have that rod. love to have, but I know I can live without it because I already have a set of golf clubs. I already have 13 fishing rods. I already have. Would I desire more? Yeah. Sure, right? But I try not to covet that, right? And then you add this text of Scripture in, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Well, that's a powerful verse of Scripture. That's intriguing. And so let's discuss that text of Scripture before we close our Bible study. Can we do that? Let's ask this question. The Bible says, who's Paul speaking to here? Who's he speaking to here? Look in chapter 4 real quick, verse number 3. Chapter 4, verse number 3. Paul says, um, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other fellow laborers whose names are where? In the book of life. So who's Paul speaking to? Who? Christians. Right? Verse 17, he starts off with brethren. But just to clarify it, he's talking to those who are in the book of life, those who have been born again, those who are saved, people like you and me. And so we can say this, Paul's speaking to us. Say, Mary, say Paul's speaking to me. Paul's speaking to me. I thought you were going to say Paul's speaking to you. Paul's speaking to me. He's speaking to those who have their names written in the, in the book of life. 
He's speaking to us. And in verse 17, did you see it? He establishes a standard to live by. Paul says, be followers together of me. So you know what he's saying there? How would you interpret that? Follow my example, right? Follow my example. I'm going to, I'm going to set an example for you to follow. That's a guideline for living, correct? Now, let me back up just for a second and remind every one of us that the Bible was written by God. We always say Paul said, but really Paul is just the mouthpiece for God. It was just God allowed, Paul allowed God to use his hand to write the Holy Writ, correct? So God's saying this, I'm going to allow Paul to set a standard for us to live by. I want you to follow him. Does that make more sense? Are you with me? So he's writing, look here, he's writing to born-again believers, people like you and I, and he sets a standard to live by. He says, follow my example. But then he says this, same verse, mark them who are not following my example because they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So I want you to follow my example, but I want you also to notice those who aren't because they are the enemies of Christ. And then he puts them under a threefold evaluation in verse number 19. I want you to say, I'm with you, Pastor. You get me nervous when you're real quiet. I don't want to get past you. Threefold evaluation. And here's what he does for us. He, 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 he kind of he exposes the attitude or some characteristics of the enemies of the cross. And the first thing he says is, to us is, he, he mentions their end. Look at verse number 19. Whose end is destruction. destruction. Let's talk about that for a moment. Let's talk about that. In, in your own words, how would you interpret, if you were reading that verse, and I said to you, what does that mean? What does that mean, Barry? They're going to crack hell wide open. That was harsh. <laughs> Truth. Yes? Uh, they're destroyed. Their lives won't end well. The end is destruction. Okay, so let me tell you what I would do. In order to find out, I would try to figure out what the word destruction means in that verse. You're going to do Bible study, right? That's the only way to do it. You know? And so in that verse, the word destruction means lost or wasted. Lost or wasted. So let's read it this way. Paul's saying this. Those that are enemies of the, of the cross of Christ live a lost, wasted life. Hello? They're in, I mean, when they come to the end of their life, they will have wasted it. That's what he's saying. Why? Here's why. Pay attention right here. Because they live their lives in opposition of God. Right? They lived in opposition of God. And as a result, they wasted their life. Listen, when you replace God with anything else, it's a waste. It's a waste. And I hope I'm being fair. I really hope I'm being fair. I don't want to, I don't want you, I don't want to give you the impression that all we're supposed to do as, as Christian people is read the Bible and pray all day and, you know, go to work, come home and read the Bible and pray some more. And 
No, that, 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 don't let me give you that impression because if you got that impression from me, I, I messed up. <laughs> because I like to live life. You know, I love to do different things. You know, I love to have fellowship and love to eat and love to fish. I love to, I love to, I was almost at hunt, God forbid. I love to golf and, but there's a way to do all of that, right? Haven't we found out? There's a way to do all of that in, 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 the, right, in, the, in the right way. Where it doesn't consume you. We don't live for that, right? Uh, what a shame to waste such a precious gift. You know, every single day is a gift from God. And when you live it in opposition of God, or when you have other things as God, you're wasting that precious gift of life. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever taken the time to consider your end? Huh? You ever taken just pause for a little bit from life and just consider your end? Here's what I've been trying to do in my own life. I've been trying to evaluate the other side of me. Not pleasant sometimes. You know what the other side of you is? The other side of you is what I see. Somebody say, I, I'm, I'm, I get that. I get it. Huh? And if you ever paused just for a moment and just tried to get to look at yourself from the other side of you, you'll see what everybody else sees. The people you work with or fellowship with or live with or whatever, play with. How do they see you? <laughs> Barry, I hope you don't get mad at this. Barry said to me one day, he said, Pastor, I know, I know what I am. I said, what is that? And he said, I am, what's that word you use? Loquacious. Loquacious. <laughs> loquacious. What in the world is loquacious? Right? He was reading a devotional. He saw that word. And he said, that's me. Does anybody know what loquacious means? What does it mean? Verbose. Chatty, wordy. I would have never said that about you, Barry. What a powerful word. Say it again. Loquacious. But he was serious when he told me that. He really was. And I, I, was, I was encouraged by that because it's not easy to look at the other side of you. Because what's revealed sometimes isn't pleasant. You know? It's some blind spots. Things that everybody else can see that you can't see. You know, when I, when I, when I first started preaching, preacher, Dr. Ardell, my pastor told me that I ought to listen to myself. Now, back then it was on cassette tape. You know? And I said, well, why would I want to do that? He said, I think you should. <laughs> I think he had enough courage to discourage me. And I'll never forget, I listened to myself preach. First of all, I hated my voice. Did you ever listen? Did you ever hear yourself? First? Oh, my soul. Is that me? And then I listened to the repeated phrases and the, and the sentence fillers and, oh. And I thought, I will never, ever preach again. Tried to get every copy of that cassette possible and burn it. But I know, I, know, I, know, I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to help me see the other side of me and to work on those things. Are you with me? 
I remember when I was in Bible college, Tony, uh, one of my teachers was a change jingler. He had change in his pocket, and as he walked around teaching, he jingled the change. You know, he just jingled the change. And I thought, man, that is so disturbing. Put a hole in his pocket so he loses that change, you know. Man. But it's the same thing here. Have you ever considered your end? I think you should. Not bad advice. Uh, look at the second thing. Paul says this about them. Uh, verse 19, whose, God, whose end is destruct, whose God is their belly. So he talks about their God. Their end, now their God. Now, I don't, I don't think he was talking about their stomach, right? No. Talking about their belly. In other words, I think what Paul is is saying here is this. He's making reference to the seat of affection, the seat of, of desire. I think, I think what he's saying is this. He's, it's a reference to sinful desires that come from our sin nature. Whose God is their belly. All they think about is satisfying themselves. It's kind of like what John said. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passes away, and the lust thereof, right? Their God is their belly, all that is in the world. Listen to this carefully. When your belly is your God, then physical pleasures, pleasures are your pursuit, Right? When your belly is your God, then physical pleasures are your pursuit. And you lose self-control and all restraint to get that physical sensation just to fulfill those desires. Whatever my belly wants, my belly gets. And I'm not talking about food, although my belly's master and I'm its slave. Right? Are you with me? You're getting real quiet. I'm not trying to bring conviction. I'm just doing Bible study. Just breaking down one verse of Scripture. You know, I know this for a fact, that physical, physical desires can take on a godlike place in our life. I own a boat. I love my boat. But I don't love my boat more than God. But if I'm not careful, I, I, I could get out of balance. There are times when thinking about my boat puts me to sleep. Huh? So for you, take out boat and put in whatever you love. Hello? We've got to be really careful because physical app appetites can take on a godlike place in our life. You know? And you know, the, you know what we then do? We redefine God. We redefine God, and that's another message in and of itself, but we, we get these addictive qualities. They, they, you know, things have an addictive quality about them, right? And then, then finally, because I know you want me to finish. Finally, Paul talks about their shame. Look at it, ver, ver, verse 19. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. Now look at this. Whose glory is their shame. Talks about their shame, right? In other words... Here's what he says. What do they boast about? What's their glory? Your glory is what you boast about, right? What are they boasting about? Their shame. What's their shame? Their physical appetites, their sinful nature. 
their drives, their wants, that, uh, you know, whatever it is that's satisfying them. That's what they're boasting about. You see that? Now, don't take offense to this, because I have to live by it too. But you can always tell what a person worships, just listen to what they talk about the most. Right? Talk about the most. So I guarantee you, after service, Craig and I are going to talk a little bit about fishing. He's going to say to me, have you gotten out yet? And I'm going to say, no. And he's going to say, what are you doing tomorrow? And I'm going to say, maybe fishing. <laughs> but we're not going to talk about that for hours. We're going to talk about it and we're going to be finished with it. That's all. We'll go home and dream about it, but we'll be finished with it. Right, so you got to put it into perspective, right? But you, 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 you've gotten around people, and all they want to talk about is never about the Lord, never about service, never about souls being saved, never about the church, never about... I met with, with Bob and Will the other day for lunch. We Probably, what, three hours, Bob? Two and a half hours? Two and a half hours. All we talked about was moving the church forward and ways we can move it forward and things we ought to do about... This is exciting stuff. You know, we didn't talk anything about fishing or golfing or anything like that. No baseball talk, nothing. We just talked about church. It was awesome, man. It was great. I had a great time. You know? Right? Uh, if we would have brought up golfing, well, I talked about golfing. For sure. You know, but we didn't. We just talked about the Lord. It, it's sad when we can't have more than a five-minute discussion about things of God. Right? Yeah. Look what he says here. I'm finished. He says in verse number 19, who mind earthly things. That, that's it right there. They mind earthly things. That's all that matters to them. They mind earthly, earthly things. As John would say, the love of the Father is not in them. Now, now listen, when, when John said, those that love the world, love of the Father is not in them, it, it didn't say that the Father didn't love them. The love of the Father is not in them. Or they love the world so much that you cannot see their love for God. Did you ever pray this prayer? Maybe you want to get a pen out. Did you ever pray this prayer? Lord, help me to live in such a way today that the people I come in contact know that I belong to you. Did you ever pray that prayer? That's a good prayer to pray. Wherever I go today, I want people to know that I belong to you. And you know, sometimes it's just by having a smile. I go in the Wawa two or three times a day. Every time I do, I hold the door open for somebody. The other day, guy get out of his car, held the door open for me, and I prayed, Lord, help him to just get a cup of coffee and get behind me. And all he got was a cup of coffee, and he got behind me, and I bought his coffee. Because if he got more than coffee, I wasn't buying it. <laughs> guy comes out with three bagels and, you know, right? But I, I, pr I promise you, Donald, I prayed while I was fixing my coffee, he was fixing his coffee, and the Lord spoke to me about that, and I said, Lord, if he just gets a cup of coffee, I'll pay for it, and let him get right behind me. He got right behind me, I'm talking to the cashier, we always have a little conversation in the morning, he says, hey, I said, I'm going to take care of this young man's coffee. And he looked at me and said, man, thank you, sir, I appreciate that. I said, hey, no problem at all, man, enjoy it. I didn't stand there and preach the gospel to him, I just bought his coffee, Right? I just planted the seed. Maybe the next place he goes, another smiling face will give him, gee, I don't know, maybe he was saved. My job that day was to buy his coffee. That's all. Help me to, to help others to see that I belong to you. That's all. What are you so smiling for? I can't tell you, man. I just got something deep down inside that tickles me that I just smile. Why? Smoke's coming from Canada. <laughs> you know, virus is coming from China. 
Trump might be president again. I'm, what are you smiling for? You know? <laughs> Something deep down inside does it for me, right? Let me, let, me, let me close with the words of John. Little children, keep yourself from idols. You see that? Doesn't that say it all? Amen. That's John. You know, he's the same guy who said, love not the world, neither. Then he says, keep yourself from idols. It takes work. I began with, you know, perspective, keeping things in perspective. It takes work. <laughs> it's not easy, right? No other gods. Pastor, that's Old Testament. We have freedom in the New Testament. We're in crime. We have freedom. We do. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said this, John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Huh? You know what that is? That's narrow-minded thinking, man. No man comes to the Father but by me. You know what Jesus is saying? There's only one way, period. Period. You know what he's really saying? No other gods. No other gods. Exodus 20, verse 3, John 14, 6. No other gods. Old Testament, New Testament, and all in between, no other gods. Why would we want to make something else our God? Can't really satisfy. Amen, church? Amen. All right, let's finish right there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to gather tonight and have, uh, have Bible study and prayer time and, and just have some fellowship. We love you and praise you and thank you for meeting with us. And, and Lord, we, we're serious. People in this room are serious. We, we love you and you are our God, but we also know the divisive power of things. And so help us to be careful, keep things in perspective, and just continue to evaluate our own heart so that we don't get distracted or divided from what really matters in life. Bless us as we leave. Give us safety, traveling mercies. Pray the smoke would clear up and, and it would hinder no one's uh, physical being, especially those who are suffering with some respiratory problem. And then hedge our children as we dismiss how. Keep them safe. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. amen. You're dismissed, church. God bless you. Have a good night. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.